Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mortgages should be illegal because you're getting robbed every month. With a typical $200,000 30-year mortgage, you'll end up paying over $400,000 after interest. Hi, I'm John Commuta, creator of the Transforming Debt into Wealth System. My proven system can eliminate your mortgage and all your debts. Let me send you a powerful free CD. For your free CD, call 1-800-933-2911. Reality Radio Entertainment presents Behind the Curtain with your host, Kathy Barrett. Hi, I'm Kathy Barrett, and welcome to Behind the Curtain, a show about how we navigate down the not-so-yellow-brick road of life. And life is something we shouldn't do alone. So I hope you'll spend the next 30 minutes with me as I reveal what's behind the curtain this week. And today's show title comes from Mark Nepo's book, The Book of Awakening, Having the Life You Want by Being Present to the Life You Have. Mark Nepo has taught in the fields of poetry and spirituality for over 30 years, and he devotes his writing and teaching to the journey of inner transformation and the life of relationship, two of my favorite topics. The Book of Awakening made Mark a New York Times number one best-selling author, and Oprah Winfrey says of it, it's a year's supply of inspiration every day and the perfect gift for yourself and your friends. You can also find out more about Mark and his upcoming projects, his speaking engagements, and other books and recordings by going to marknepo.com, that's M-A-R-K-N-E-P-O.com, and threeintentions.com. As far as the heart can see, his latest book is a trusted companion full of surprises that leads your heart to awaken, and it really does deliver on its tagline, which says, providing stories to illuminate the soul. Mark Nepo is a profound storyteller and one of the greatest spiritual teachers to emerge in our lifetime. I can't get enough of listening to his wisdom, and I'm delighted and so grateful to welcome him to the program today. Hey, Mark, thanks for coming. Welcome. Oh, you're very, very welcome. It's great to be with you. Thank you. Well, I thought, you know, at first, let's start out, if you don't mind. I would love to just begin, because your voice is so soothing, and I love your poetry, and I had asked you to pick two of your favorite poems that you've written. Would you mind starting us with one of those? No, sure, sure. Thank you. And this is a poem um, that's called Accepting This. Yes, it's true. I confess I have thought great thoughts and sung great songs, all of it rehearsal for the majesty of being held. The dream is awakened when thinking I love you, and life life begins when saying I love you, and joy, well, joy moves like blood when embracing others with love. My efforts now turn from trying to outrun suffering 
to accepting love wherever I can find it, stripped of causes and plans and things to strive for, I have discovered everything I could need or ask for is right here in flawed abundance. We cannot eliminate hunger, but we can feed each other. We cannot eliminate loneliness, but we can hold each other. We cannot eliminate pain, but we can live a life of compassion. Ultimately, we are small living things awakened in the stream, not gods who carve out rivers. Like human fish, we are asked to experience meaning in the life that moves through the gill of our heart. There is nothing to do and nowhere to go. Accepting this, we can do everything and go anywhere. Wow. That is amazing and so deep and so beautiful. Now, do you have, do you record your poetry? I mean, can Uh, can we hear you recite it? There are, uh, on my website, there are actually, uh, there's a window of poems, many of which have audio recordings, so people can get it an experience of that. And I have audio books uh, by Simon & Schuster, um, which you can go online and, and find as well, where I'm reading my own work. Um, and, and also, I just finished recording a, uh, a box set of Teaching Conversations with Sounds True, which will be coming out in February. I will definitely run to your website and get those things because it's not just, I mean, you're an amazing writer, an amazing poet, but it's also the soothing qualities of your voice. I mean, it really is very, very healing. The poetry and and really uh, meaningful speech of any kind Something else happens when it's said, when it's read, when it's uh, made aloud, because, you know, language, it's like sheet music. You know, unless you're a gifted musician and you can read sheet music and hear it play while you're reading it on the page, most of us looking at a piece of sheet music doesn't do anything until it's played. Mm. And it's the same thing. I mean, we can read, thank God, we can read things to ourselves quietly, but in addition to that, something else entirely happens at a feeling level when it's read. So even, you know, if you're reading something by yourself alone in a room, if something moves you, I always try to read that part out loud because I'll feel it in a whole different way. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought of it that way, but that is also quite beautiful. In in your book, As Far as the Heart Can See... I found the story of the Great Awakening, a, a beautiful lesson in letting go. And and you remind us to live a joyful life. Uh, to live a joyful life is to enter our days with nothing but love. And I'm kind of quoting what you wrote here. Uh, what are the elements that you feel prevent us from living with an open heart? Well, you know, if we go right to that story, which is a parable, you know, it's a kind of a modern parable that... Um, I offer there, and it's about a person who can be any of us, who in his days, he, in order to make, not make any waves, he pretends sometimes, and he holds secrets, and he watches rather than enters life, 
and he lets his fear kind of run the show more often than not. And so all these things distance us from direct living. Uh. And and we all do them. It's not that if we do them, we're bad people, or if we do them, there's something wrong with us. Being a human being, this is the journey. We move in and out of these things. We get close to the essence of what it means to be alive, and then we trip, or we're hurt, or we get afraid, and now there's something between us and the essence of life. So the journey of being human, the practice of being human, is one of course correcting. It's when we fall down, we get up. When we get numb, we need to wake again. When we're hurt, we need to somehow help each other get resilient and heal. So it's that's the practice. And so I think we often, in our time, and I don't just mean in America, but I mean globally, that we have such a preoccupation with happiness and aspiring to live a perfect life that we often exclude the full, beautiful, mysterious range of the human experience, which no one is exempt from. And so the practice is really how do we move in and out of these amazing, difficult, beautiful, challenging uh, experiences of being human? Well, I think you bring up an excellent point because we are kind of obsessed as a culture with perfection. And really, if we pause and look at the beauty in our imperfections, that too opens up a whole different door into who we are that can be appreciated in in a whole different way as opposed to, you know, as you were saying before, making it wrong or making it bad or making, you know, giving it giving it a um, negative meaning. It's just, you know, how we're going about this journey. And yeah, I mean, one of the deepest mysteries about experience and paradoxes about uh, experience is that joy and pain and wonder and confusion, all of these things come all together and it's natural from the beginning of time human beings have tried to wall out what's difficult and hurts and say i only want the good but it doesn't work that way you know all you have to do is for example look at water we all know at an early age in school that it's made of hydrogen and oxygen it's h2o but i can't say to you i'd only like the hydrogen please <laughs> right. <laughs> as soon as we do that, yeah. it's no longer water and it's no longer quenching. And one of the mysteries of life is that life like water is its power and its challenge is in its unity, which we are kind of challenged to take in. And yes, things will be hurt, hurt us and be obstacles and be difficult, but as soon as we try to wall out and separate that out, we also wall out what will help us. Mm. That's true. Then, you know, it's it's interesting. Do you how much do you think in this during this process that forgiveness, you know, has a role? To me, I remember in in my own personal journey, it would be a rare occasion that I, you know, in the in the as I began on my path, um, that I would forgive. I mean, I was just 
hell-bent, if you will, on holding on to the injustices uh, that I felt happened to me. But now I feel like I use forgiveness almost as much as I breathe on a daily basis. I well, mean, that's, yeah, that's beautiful, and I think that it's a very, also a challenging and necessary thing, and 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 everybody needs to personalize what forgiveness means. But but I think you know as we talk about that, uh, just to say that I'm sure you have run run into this too that forgiveness is not just jumping over wounds or trespasses and moving on. That is right. the process of um, really, uh, it's a paradox that people are accountable for what they do to each other. And, as you've already said, if we only hold on to what happens to us, um, we will never be able to live our lives. I was just actually yesterday watching the leaves fall uh on the trees outside uh, this very window, I'm in my study, um, and and realizing what teachers these trees are, you know. They form leaves and growth like we do, attachments and things happen to us, and but they only do that, you know, for a few seasons. And then every year, when they've grown so much that their very growth blocks the light, then comes the fall, and they have to let all the leaves go. And, you know, we similarly are charged, challenged every year to let go all of our grudges and our wounds and what gets in the way so we can rest and renew and wake again and start doing it all over again. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, it's it's uh, that's a wonderful analogy. And I, well, let's, you know, for, for those listeners that don't know this about you, you survived uh, a brain tumor and a rare form of lymphoma. And I heard your interview, I was listening to your interview with Oprah and had my own aha moment, I guess, when you said miracles are a process and not an event. And so what was your life like before being faced with cancer, and how were you transformed by that experience personally? Oh, yeah, well, thank you for asking that. You know, it's actually this spring, this fall is 24 years ago that I was thrust into the heart of my cancer journey. It's amazing. It seems wow. like a lifetime ago, and it seems like yesterday. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I think that, you know, I w- I'm 60, and I was 36 when I uh, found out I had cancer. And, you know, I was someone like most people in their 30s. I was really, you know, working hard to try to, you know, reach my goals and helpfully help change the world. And all of a sudden, everything was upside down and life was changing me. Mm. You know, all of a sudden I was thrust to experience life in more direct ways than I ever imagined. And I think that, you know... Two of the things that happened, um, I I think I always had the same view of life, but I was much more in my head. And I'd like to say it was some wisdom of mine, but it wasn't. (laughs) Somehow, (laughs) on the other side, I I was a three-year intensive period where I went through many things and surgeries and chemo. um, 
But during that time, you know, on the other side of that, I was thrown back into life like Jonah spit out of the mouth of the whale. <laughs> and and there was no normal to return to. Mm. You know, whatever I knew as life was gone. And I was both wonderfully uh, new and disoriented. And, and one of the things was that... Uh, like snow in spring melting into the ground, where I had been living mostly in my head melted because of this experience into the ground of my heart. And now I was living from my heart, and my mind was serving my heart and not the other way around. And that's made a huge difference in everything, in my life, in my writing, in my teaching. I think the other huge thing that happened was... You know, I'm Jewish and was raised Jewish. Um, and during this cancer journey, I was blessed to have people from all traditions and all ways of of life uh, help me and offer to do things. And I just accepted everything. You know, I uh, I didn't. Uh, I so wanted to be here that whether I believed or was brought up in a certain way, seemed irrelevant. And so, blessed to still be here, I was thrust into the beautiful challenge on the other side of needing to believe in everything. And I think ever since then, my work, as you probably can tell, in all my books and poetry, have been an effort to find where in the center do all the spiritual paths come from? Not how we're different, but what is the strength of that amazing, unnameable center, whatever name you give to it, and and of the everything larger than us. And that has been um, a huge change that totally shifted, you know, my life and my life's work. Well, if you're, you know, you're coming from your heart, and especially during that time. Um, you know your your desire to survive and live and continue, um, but you were also it sounds like connecting to everyone as one, not eliminating yeah. any any one or any thought, but just accepting everyone and and being one with everything. So I can. It's really quite amazing that you did survive both things. Uh, well, and I think that this is connects to what we were saying earlier about the practice of being human is that, you know, we can believe, and certainly nobody knows for sure whether that everything is connected or that everything is not. You know, I do believe that everything is is connected. I think that if you believe that everything, that if you believe in anything larger than yourself, you're you have a spiritual outlook. Uh-huh. As soon as we start to try to name what that is, then everybody mm. kind of goes to their corners and this tradition and <laughs> that tradition. That's true, yes. But you know what? Yeah. It's just it's that simple. Even without naming it, and when we lose sight of that, which happens because we're human, then we feel like we're a pinball in a pinball machine. Mm. All we do is try to hold on as we bump off things and try not to fall into holes. You know. Right, right. But when we uh, move out of that and realize that we're, that everything's connected, 
then it's not just seeing it, it's then we make use. It's like being in a net. You, you know, the, we can draw on the strength of those connections. Right. Well, I think what happens a lot is that fear automatically comes up um, for all of us, you know, and, and that fear is, you know, fear of something being different than we know, fear of failure, of death, of illness, of loneliness. So, well, I mean, you're so wise in these ways. So what, what can you share with those that might be trapped in the quicksand of that fear-based place on how to move through it? Well, sure, you know, and 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 I also want to say, you know, right up front that just uh, we all have our gifts, and because you know I have a gift for uh, seeing some of these things or expressing them, doesn't mean I'm exempt from them, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And, of course, and that, yeah. Uh, you know, like I I move in and out of fear, and and all of the things you mentioned, um, in and out of them, because it is being human, and I think that, you know. A big thing that happens to all of us is that we go from having all of our feelings, fear, worry, confusion, doubt, pain, live in us, to us living in them. Mm. And when when I'm in my fear, it's terrible because fear runs everything. Right. When fear is in me, okay, it's taking up space but it's not running the whole show. Uh. And one of the most important things for all of us is to remember when we are in those moments when we have fallen in our fear or our pain that um, it won't stay that way. It's the trust that life keeps moving. It never stays the same. We are afraid of that when that means, you know, in the Buddhist sense, of impermanence, we're all going to die. Sure we are. But we all are going to live, too. And when we're in difficult things, the gift of impermanence is that that won't stay the same. And this really helped me early on in my cancer journey because everybody has different things that are that you find particularly you know, really terrifying or difficult. And for me, in the whole process, um, was having a bone marrow sampling. And I've known other people that that's not a big deal for them. Other, you know, other things, getting their blood drawn might be that for them. But for, anyway, for me, that was like a thing that after having that done several times, I was like, I am, you know, not going to do this again. And then, of course, I had to uh-huh. do it again. And um, But... It became huge. It became like I was in it until... Like terror. You get stuck in a place of terror. Right, and that is terror. Terror Mm. is the feeling and believing that the moment you're afraid of or of pain or fear, it's going to be that way forever. Mm. And it's not like, okay, we can't prevent those things, but we don't have to stay there. And I realized finally that this procedure that I had, that so gripped me, lasted like 30 seconds. Now, I didn't like it. It was terrible for me for 30 seconds. But that enabled me to say, you know what? There will be life on the other side of those 30 seconds. And I can make it through that. And that's the key, I think, to any of the difficult things we face in life is moving through. 
realizing that we can move through. You know, I had uh, Tu Fu, who's a great Chinese poet from the Tang Dynasty, came to me in dreams during my cancer journey and since. And uh, in those dreams has been a guide, and one of them was about fear. And I went to him when I was terribly afraid in this dream. He was sitting on a shore, just using a branch in the in the sand, ignoring me. <laughs> and I went up <laughs> to him and I said, how do I block the fear? And he just ignored me. And I got really angry and I said, hey, how do I block the fear? And without looking at me, he waved the branch over his head and he said, how does a tree block the wind? And he disappeared. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And that was an incredible teaching because, of course, a tree doesn't block the wind. If a tree tries to hold on to the wind, it comes down. Right. And the only way that we can meet fear and pain is to let it through. Mm. And that's why there's so much... um, in all the traditions, concentration on breathing. Because when we are afraid um, or we're in pain, it's natural that we kind of hold our breath, we tend. Right, we stop breathing. And and you can't avoid that. But once you have tensed, the breathing then is the first step to letting it through, to letting it through so that we can enlarge our connection and sense of things again and right size we can't eliminate like I said in the poem we can't eliminate pain or loneliness and we can't eliminate fear but we can right size it we can return to a proper relationship that it's one of many things and and, and let me uh, just add this because this is a learning I've had just as I said I you know, I went through in the last year, um, I'm fine, but I had a stomach condition brought on by a very severe flu where I couldn't uh, I couldn't really eat for several months very much because my stomach wasn't emptying properly. And when I would eat too much, and we're talking like bites, I would get yeah. these really pains in my stomach. So uh, during this time, it was a summer, um, we have... Uh, bird feeders, lots of birds come to our house, and a beautiful Baltimore Oriole comes once a year for a couple of days. So I'm watching, and this bird comes, and just as I see the Oriole, I get one of these stomach pains. And there you have it. There you have the challenge of living on Earth as a human being that everyone has to deal with. Both things were true. The beauty of that bird was true and my stomach being in pain was true and now though the initial grip of the pain got my full attention now I have a choice which and in what combination will this define my days you know um, it wasn't about choosing the bird or the pain it was about acknowledging my pain and letting the beauty of the bird in because that's part of the medicine. Oh, that's incredible. That's a wonderful, wonderful lesson um, for all of us to take through our day. 
I um, I just want to mention your website again. Uh, it's marknepo.com, M-A-R-K-N-E-P-O. And you, your books are structured so beautifully, I must say. One can, you know, feel the thought and caring that you place on every word of every story. And then you kind of cheer us on with support, providing us with journal questions and table questions for groups of people and meditations. And, and what inspired you to create this kind of format? Because it's, it's really spectacular. Well, th- thank you. I mean, I, I because I think my teaching life and my writing life keep merging as I get older. And I, and, and I also, you know, out of that journey so many years ago, my cancer journey, I'm really committed to um, taking or offering invitations that will help readers or listeners um, personalize these things in their own lives if they're touched by it. So it's yeah. not enough to understand it. How can we help each other um, actually then use it? Absolutely. No, they're wonderful. And and I must, um, I know that it's going to be, (laughs) many of my friends will be receiving your books as their Christmas Oh, thank you. No, I'm not just saying that. I just, they are little treasures. They really, really are. And, I mean, uh, we're almost at a t- uh, time now, and it, it's gone way too quick. I hope that you'll come back again, because I would love to have you come sure. back on the show as much as you want to be here. Um, Mark Nepo, author, poet, mm-hmm. spiritual teacher, uh, it has been so healing to have you on the program. Thank you for sharing your life journey and lessons with us today and for being the light to guide the rest of us uh, so that we can have the life that we want. Again, your books are As Far As the uh, Heart Can See and The Book of Awakening. Again, they're both treasures. And go to marknepo.com for more information about all of his books and recordings, his touring schedule. If he comes to a town near you, run, don't walk to sign up for one of his seminars. <laughs> Thanks again, Mark. It's been a joy. And, uh, well, you thank know, you. Much Kevin. love thank to you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Next week, bye-bye. Next week, Jamie Moffat, an American independent motion picture director and producer, will be here to talk about his extraordinary films, of which his latest, Return to El Salvador, is narrated by Emmy Award winner Martin Sheen and endorsed by Nobel Peace Prize winner Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Tune in to meet Jamie a young man on a mission who is making a difference, and and he's such a contribution to our world with the stories he tells. It's been great sharing this time with you. This is Kathy Barrett sending you a virtual hug from behind the curtain. I'll be back next week, and I hope you'll join me. Peace. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.